So this morning brings us to the uh, fifth and final class of this um, guide on wise decision making. So we've been over the past few weeks sort of laying a foundation for how to make wise decisions, looking at God's uh, sovereignty over the decisions we make so that we're not uh, discouraged if something doesn't go the way we want, but we know that we have a God who's in control. Um, we've been looking at the goal of godly decision making, which is to uh, glorify God and to entrust ourselves to him as we make decisions. Um, and we also we've been thinking about how to be faithful stewards in that as well. So this week we want to sort of walk through some scenarios and talk about how we um, become better decision makers and how we seek counsel to help us make wise decisions. So that's what we'll be, we'll be looking at this morning. <clears throat> now, uh, this class is about how Christians should uh, normally or ordinarily make decisions throughout Scripture. God guides his people through dreams, through uh, his audible voice, through prophets, through visions, through donkeys, other things, right? There's a wide variety of ways that the Lord communicates to his people. Um, and if you heard God's voice from again, a talking donkey or a burning bush, that would make decision-making a lot easier, right? If we walk out of our house and we have like a rose bush and we stop by the rose bush and say, okay, Lord, speak to me through this bush. And he tells us, go to this place, go to that place. That would make, probably make it easier. Um, while that is how the Lord communicated in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, in the New Testament, um, and even today, you see something different. So you see God leading his people, not with an audible voice, um, but where he speaks the loudest and the most clearly, which is the Bible. Um, and he does this through the means of uh, even people, uh, wise counselors that we gather around ourselves, that we go to, to, to get wisdom. That's one of the tools as we think through how to be wise decision makers. So we shouldn't expect God to speak out of a storm or right on the wall when we're trying to decide whether to take a date to Chick-fil-A or Chuck E. Cheese. So apart from this uh, extraordinary or extraordinary means of God communicating to us, we want to think through again, how do we make wise decisions? So first, uh, you see on your hand out there if you have it, using God's word. So God speaks most clear and most loudly through the Bible. <clears throat> And he speaks also infallibly through the Bible. So that means that what he's saying, uh, God never makes mistakes. But when we're looking at, when we're trying to get a sense of our own hearts and our own minds and trying to work through, is this God, is this not God? Um, we're falling. And so our intuitions are corrupted. Our hearts, our minds, um, they're not pure. And so we have to wade through what is biblical and what's not, what is uh, true and wise and what's not. But in the Bible, God speaks infallibly. That doesn't mean whenever we read the Bible, we walk away with the right interpretation of it. Um, there's a discipline in our Bible reading and study, but we can trust the word of God and what God has said to us there. So first we want to think about uh, wrong ways to use God's word. Again, we're thinking through how do we become wise decision makers? The first tool we have is the word of God, but we want to think about wrong ways to approach the word of God. So 
First, <clears throat> actually, let me back up a little bit. So how does God's word help us to make decisions? Well, let's start out by thinking about wrong ways to do that. What are some wrong ways to use the Bible to make decisions? So here is an unwise way to use the Bible. And almost all of these things I want to say, I've done. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, saying I've done it myself. Um, here's an unwise way to use the Bible. Opening up to a random Bible verse and applying it directly to our situations. Right? Anybody else done that? I won't look, but you can raise your hand. Now, of course, there are, <laughs> of course, there are verses that apply generally to any circumstance, right? So verses on wisdom or uh, pursuing holiness. You can take this and it's a blanket. It spreads over everything. Uh, but then there are passages that don't, we shouldn't apply the same way. Opening randomly and assuming that a verse without a context or out of context as God's special message to us is, can be just a form of mysticism, right? So we, we say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And we lay the Bible down and we drop it and wherever it lands, we say that. Now, it's interesting because Augustine, when he, uh, uh, he attributes his conversion to the hearing of <laughs> um, a, uh, a chant or uh, a, a, a phrase or a line uh, that he thought may have been children, um, but then he was like, well, there are no children in this area, so he was sort of trying to discern what that was. Uh, but this, this line drove him back to his study where his friend was there, and he opened the Bible, and either it was the last thing he had opened or he opened it, and it opened up to, I think, somewhere in Romans, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that is <laughs> descriptive, not prescriptive. Um, the Lord used that as a means for him. Um, but when we do this at times, it can be a form of, of mysticism. So we, we treat the Bible like a tarot card. And that's not the apostolic teaching or example we see in Scripture. Okay, that's not the only way that we use the Bible in wrong ways. Another common error is taking verses out of context. So there was a story of a popular book. I had never heard of it before I actually read this um, study uh, called Walk Across America. Anybody ever heard of that before? A book called Walk Across America. Well, this is a book about a man that talks about becoming a Christian uh, meeting a Christian woman, Barbara, and proposing to her. But not only did he propose to her to be married, he also said that she should quit her job and finish uh, her life with him as he walks across America. That's interesting. Now, um, so in church the next morning, uh, Barbara and uh, this guy, what's his name? I think John. Uh, they're sitting in church the next morning, and she hears uh, Barbara, the woman. She hears Genesis twenty four fifty eight, and in that passage, it's uh, Laban. He asks Rebecca, "Will you go with this man?" About going um, with Abraham's servant to to marry Isaac. Barbara, the woman who hears this, this is almost identical to what happened to me. <laughs> if you know my story about my wife, Barbara again. Descriptive. Barbara, uh, she sees this as a sign from the Lord, and the question keeps ringing in her ears Will you go with this man? Will you go with this man? Will you go with this man? 
And so she accepts his proposal and she quits her job and she joins him as he walks across America. Now, did God predestine for her to hear that passage that day? Of course, <laughs> yes, he knew she would hear that. Uh, was it wise for her to marry, oh, Peter was his name. Was it wise for her to marry Peter? Maybe, maybe not, uh, probably not. Uh, unfortunately, they did get a divorce, but was Laban, so the question we wanna ask here, um, was Laban's question a good one for her to be thinking through uh, in relation to whether she should marry this man, Peter? Should she have taken this Genesis 24, 58 text and brought it to her situation to be an answer for whether she should marry this man, Peter, quit her job and walk across the continent? No, absolutely not. Why? Because in context, Laban's question didn't have anything to do with Barbara or Peter. In Genesis 24, yes, Rebecca answered the question with a yes, but Rebecca's situation obviously did not mean that God would lead Barbara to give the same answer to Peter, who's walking across the continent, right? And that may be, that may be obvious, but you know, there are oftentimes, you know, where we, and we've heard this story, or again, we've done it ourselves, where we'll take a verse out of context and apply it to our lives and say, okay, well, God is speaking to us. It's the Bible, right? You know, it's, it's infallible. Of course he's telling me I should do this or that. But the Bible is given to us and it's meant to be understood the way God intended us to understand it, which is in its context. What did God intend to communicate to us through that specific text? So here's the point. Just because a set of words from the Bible um, are, are there and they make sense doesn't mean that it's God's message specifically for your specific situation. We're supposed to read the Bible again the way that God intended it. Um, Greg Cole, who is um, behind Stand for Reason Ministries, he said something helpful. He said, um, never read a Bible verse. What he meant was, always read scripture with the benefit of its context. So here's another example. Um, one we've heard a lot, uh, Philippians 4.13, which, <laughs> which says what? <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She was laughing because she knows, <laughs> right? So this is another verse that we've said or heard, and generally Christians uh, or people, even non-Christians, We'll take this as a good principle and say, well, Christ is behind me and he's supporting me and whatever I want to do, right? Whatever I want to pursue, whatever I want to give myself to, you know, I had it as a poster in my room as a teenager. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) We don't fault you for that. (laughs) Right. So we get uh, we get tattoos and we get, you know, all type of stuff (laughs) that say Philippians 4.13. But it's often out of out of context. So what is Paul actually saying in that verse? Uh, He isn't saying that he can accomplish anything uh, through Christ. He's saying that in that context, he's saying that in both uh, situations that are hardships and afflictions and situations that are good um, and positive and uh, as he gets to sort of uh, do what he desires to do, um, the Lord gives him grace on both ends to suffer well and to to prosper. 
to be without, to, be, to go poor, to go hungry, and to uh, have plenty. So Paul is saying, whatever situation I'm in, whether I'm homeless, whether, I'm, uh, whether the check didn't come this week, this month, or whether I have plenty and more than enough to share and give, in both, I can, by Christ's power, be content and be rested at heart. Right? So that's, that's the context thing. You don't often see it used in that way. Okay, so that was wrong ways to use the Bible. Let's look, look at right ways to use God's word. So how do we use God's word to make decisions? <clears throat> so I'll give you four categories of guidance um, for, for a scripture or in, in scripture. So one is specific commands. We're thinking about right ways to use God's word, specific commands. The most obvious way that the scriptures guide us is through specific and clear commands. Is it God's will for me to leave my wife and marry another woman? The answer is no. Uh, Do not commit adultery. It's clear in scripture. Case closed. Um, I know this seems obvious, but there are many times where Christians get caught up sort of in um, how we feel and what we think at the moment, and it uh, leads us to disregard explicit commands Uh, in favor of our own feelings. Uh, God doesn't contradict himself in his word or in any way. So if you feel, if we feel that God is leading us um, in a way that is opposite of the scripture, then we have to say that's clearly not God, right? It may be some other spirit, but it isn't the Holy Spirit, right? Um, If you feel that God is leading you to commit adultery, you can guarantee that that's not the Lord. If he's leading you to commit sin or to steal or anything, that's that's not God, right? That's that's more obvious. Uh, The second category that's a little more complex is biblical principles. Of course, there are many commands in Scripture that don't clearly outlaw specific actions, but we still get guidance from applying their principles. So let's say you're struggling with how to respond to an invitation from a coworker where they want to have a, a work lunch uh, to congratulate um, Bobby on his engagement to Jesse. And you think, should I go? Should, should I not go? Can I be a witness there? Uh, is, should I just stay away so that I can show that I don't agree with this? Right? We're trying to work through all the nuances of this situation and what's the best way to approach it. Um, it's not always as clear in every situation. Um, So maybe it's true that their specific purpose of that lunch is to celebrate gay marriage, but you know how the room's going to feel when he makes the announcement, um, especially now. Um, There's there's applause, there's cheers, there's thank you for being so bold and so, you know, willing to express yourself in this way. Is there a clear command of scripture that says, uh, you, Ricky, don't go to Bobby and Jesse's engagement party at, at lunch. Well, no. But there are biblical principles that will help us sort of think through the thing. Um, if, uh, Ephesians 5.5. 5, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. 
do not become partakers with them. That's a really helpful principle to keep in mind as you wrestle through what to do there. Um, Romans 1, 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So how can you act so that you don't partner with others in their sin and so that you don't seem to give approval to their sin? There are biblical principles that that help us and inform us and guide us in this. Now, I'm sure you can think of other other scenarios, uh, some more or less complex. Some situations are hard to know how exactly to act and what to do. But the point is that we need to look to the scripture to get wisdom on how to um, act in these different situations and how to apply wisdom well. Uh, So third, uh, biblical goals and motives. Uh, Another way that we want to draw from the scripture principles that help us to be wise decision makers. So the Bible can judge the motives and goals we have in making a decision. And thinking about uh, biblical motives and goals can sometimes reveal what's unbiblical in our own hearts. So if you're dating someone and you're wanting guidance on whether or not they should be your spouse, what are some uh, verses you can look to that might help you with that? I think all of us, well, most of us here are already married, but still, what, what are some, some verses you would encourage someone to look through if they're thinking through that? What? Okay, yep. To not be unequally yoked, yep. What else comes to mind? Even if it's not like a specific scripture, like a, a principle in scripture that you think would be helpful for somebody who's considering marriage. There's um, it's on the side of it. Don't let uh, passion arise in you too early. Hmm. Do not awaken love before it's time. Yeah. 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 Right. Yes. Right. Yep. That's a good biblical principle. So guard your heart in that way. Try to guard your heart in that way. Uh, Don't give yourself uh, too. Uh, don't overly commit yourself to uh, certain things that stir uh, passion. <clears throat> what are some other things that come to mind? What about Proverbs 31? Right? This, uh, this guidance on uh, what a godly woman looks like. Um, maybe 1 Timothy 3 to see what a godly husband looks like. It's, it's qualifications for um, elders but it's really what every Christian should look like. Hospitable, respectable, um, everything there except be able to teach a qualify, uh, it looks like, or every Christian man should look like that. Every Christian person really. Yeah, like, uh, verse 8, 3. Yeah. Verse, verse, uh, 8, verse Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So these are principles that we can use to help Um, as we counsel others, as we uh, think through how we would encourage someone in that season of life. Kyle, I I saw your hand. I I didn't get get to you. You had a thought. Um, No, did did someone say mirroring in the Lord? Was that the question? Uh, Yeah. 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 Um, No, and then, yeah, what what you had said, just character related. Yeah. 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 I was thinking of uh, uh, Galatians 5, like, first of the Spirit. That's another one. That's like in line with 1 Timothy 3. 
Yep. That was, yep, I had that in my, my notes as well. Yep, so um, looking at fruit, you know, is this person uh, bearing fruit? Are they a, a believer? It gets back to that point. So <clears throat> if we're thinking about, um, you know, spouses, those, those are things we can look at. If we're thinking about a career change and we want uh, to assess our motives, we can look at passages like 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10, which shows us the effects of sinful patterns of behavior like the pursuit um, of riches instead of God. So these things, uh, God, how we think about life, career, spouses, all these things. <clears throat> so it can help you even to, um, if you're able to write down your own motives and goals. So the good ones and the bad ones um, for any particular question. So take some time to just work through your own heart um, you know, what's, what's good about how I'm feeling about this thing? What's, what's bad about this? Um, and that can maybe help you to sift through some, some things. Then write down the motives and goals that you see in scripture along with passages that describe them. <clears throat> Spend time thinking through those passages and pray that as you do, that God will give you wisdom as to where your heart desires are, whether they're right, whether they're wrong, whether they're impractical, whether they're unwise. So spending some time to do that helps us to discern our hearts, right? <clears throat> so the fourth category under this section is wisdom. Now, honestly, the, the, the main way the Bible helps us to make decisions has nothing to do with decision making at all. Um, it's more in, in the principle of wisdom. It's simply the wisdom that you growing and as you spend more time in the word and with other Christians that sharpens our decision making. So if we spend uh, very little time in scripture, then our decision making is going to reflect that. If we spend more time in scripture um, examining ourselves and having the scripture sort of probe us, encourage us, expose us, um, our decision making will reflect that, right? So having the Bible as a tool in that way. <clears throat> um, think about Psalm 1 where David says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. So we should get to know the Bible well. So we can, we can think that you know, it, it, it would be easier if God spoke out of a, a bush um, and there are some uh, religions and worldviews that have this, have an idea that they can uh, hear um, audibly that God does speak to them um, in these specific, very tangible ways. Um, but I, I, I think that makes us, so I, I think the Christian understanding of how God speaks and what we see in the Bible as he informs us so that we become wise is a, a whole uh, person um, education and discernment and wisdom, right? We could go to um, a tarot card reader and, uh, and you know, say, say that we're Christian and say, okay, what is, what is the Lord saying to me? And they, they tell us something. Uh, but does that inform every aspect of how you live? Wisdom is like water that, uh, that, that the plant soaks in and it gives the whole plant nutrients. When we do things like mystical things and things that are in the way of mysticism, it may seem to be helpful temporarily or for that specific situation, 
but all of life needs uh, your wisdom. You have to apply wisdom for everything you do, for how you train your kids, for what job you take, for who to marry, for how we counsel one another. One thing tarot cards <laughs> don't help with is when you're out in the foyer and a brother or sister comes up to you and they say, man, I've been having a really tough week. And they look at you and that question, their eyes say, what, what you got for me? <laughs> I need help. And you want to encourage them. You want to help them. You want to, you want to come alongside them. And biblical wisdom helps with that. Right? <clears throat> okay. Uh, back to your, your note sheet there. So any thoughts or questions before we go to the next section? A few more pages. Well, I just had the thought that it seems like the um, you know, as far as legalism goes, it seems like the uh, the application of principles becomes hmm. fertile ground for that kind of thing. Especially something like um, uh, like don't go to the the uh, the homosexual relation yeah. announcement uh, or, or things like that, where you can become very. Uh, very, very legalistic and even just how you apply that to other people and, and make their decisions for them almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just something to, to guard against as we're still trying to apply yep. those principles. Yep. Yeah, you have to be guarding your heart even in that way. And it's not always very easy. <laughs> A lot of the times these decisions that we come up against are very uh, complex. You know, I can think of just even in that scenario, 10 different things or nuances of that scenario <laughs> that may be okay maybe it is helpful to go maybe it's not helpful to go but the point is that we're trying to glean from scripture the all that we can to inform how we're thinking about it to inform the decision that that we're making right but yeah it is it, it can be very complex it's not always simple all right so prayer which is the third uh, Roman numeral there. So if you'll take a look at your handout and point to prayer, just like we did earlier, let's start with poor ways to use prayer in making a decision. So what are some wrong ways to pray? Uh, so this one's pretty clear, but we should consider it anyway. We shouldn't pray for God to do something that he forbids, like asking God uh, to make a dating relationship with a non-Christian successful or asking God to bless uh, some work that we're doing that requires us to lie. Not gives us uh, um, the option to be truthful or lie, but a part of the job is that you have to, to lie. Right? We shouldn't ask God for uh, uh, his blessing on that. Um, another wrong way to pray is asking for a sign. Some might call this the uh, wet fleece method. Right? This comes from a story about Gideon in the book of Judges. Lord, if you want me to take this job in Pennsylvania, you'll say, uh, let the next street I drive on be Philadelphia Avenue, right? So we're, we're trying to um, almost pin God uh, in, in a corner and say, do this if you want me to do that. So what's, what's wrong with that? Well, mainly that God never promises to answer requests like that. He never promises that I'm going to answer if you ask in this way. Actually, you see the opposite in the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So is there any good work that 
we need to do, that we should be given to, that God hasn't or can't equip us for through the word. No, that's, that's for every Christian. If, if the man of God, then everyone else. If the elder, the pastor, the teacher, then, then everyone else. That's, that's Christians in general. It can be applied to. Um, <clears throat> where am I? But didn't Gideon uh, use a wet fleece, we might say, and God uh, answered in that way? Well, he did, but again, that's not um, prescriptive, it's descriptive. And we think, well, Gideon is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yes, he is. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in the hall of, hall of Fame. He is, but again, the way that the Lord usually, ordinarily, guides his people is through wisdom. And then when you look at Judges 6, um, Gideon isn't the ideal model of how we ought to live as, as Christians. The Lord used him in many ways, um, but there are some other things that was, was, was not good. So it's not necessarily exemplary in that way. We need to be able to make decisions or make the distinction between, even as we are making decisions and looking at scripture, between uh, prescriptive commands and descriptive narratives. Uh, the Bible is filled with narrative. It is this, this narrative, uh, this sort of uh, meta-narrative, this story of God's redemption. And within that narrative are many different passages and verses where if we take them and we say this is um, a prescribing of how I should make a decision in this way or how I should live in this way, then we could be taken out of context um, and that way of reading the scripture isn't the way that God intended us uh, to read it. Um, we, we can't read all of scripture and apply it all in the same way and think that every story applies to our story. But we have to be discerning there as well to, to know the difference. Okay, so it's fine to ask God uh, to make our decision clear. We should do that. But he doesn't always promise to do that. It might seem that asking for a sign is a display of great faith, um, but actually, in fact, it's often the opposite. We may be afraid to make a hard decision. We struggle to trust God when things aren't clear, and so we ask the Lord for a sign. But God promises to care for us in every situation, even things that aren't clear, um, he still promises to guide us in. Uh, in Psalm it says, you, you lead us with your right hand or with your counsel, right? He leads us, he guides us, we can rest in that. And his word is sufficient for that. So that's, I think, a greater encouragement to the heart when you know that you can make a decision and even though the decision, um, let's say it doesn't turn out well, let's say you decide to invest in this thing or to make this decision for your family and it turns out that it just doesn't work well. You know, maybe the investment crashes or maybe you see that this, this wasn't the best thing to do for your family. Um, even that, even in that, the Lord is training your heart. He's teaching you to trust him. We don't make the decision simply for a positive outcome, like we said before, but we make it, the, the more important thing is, are we making it and trusting ourselves to the Lord and uh, trusting his word to lead us? So we're not trying to be these perfect people that always hit you know, the target and the bullseye. We want to be faithful and we want to be wise in our decision making. Okay, so that was how not to pray. Uh, let's talk about how to pray. 
How should we pray? So that's the question that Jesus answers in Matthew 6. Right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now we want to note three things from these verses that should inform how we think about prayer in relation to guidance and decision making. First, a biblically informed prayer life will have as its reference God as Father. So the one who is a fortress and a refuge and a shield and a protector is also our Father. Jesus explains this point in the very next chapter when he says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts or good things to those who ask? So it's, it's an encouragement from the lesser to the greater. Um, when it comes to praying in regards to decision-making and guidance, you can know that God will give you everything that is good for you um, and what is uh, right and uh, for your blessing, and that's a promise that we can, we can trust in. Second, a biblically informed prayer life will put the ultimate purpose of God's work in this world over and above our own desires. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So showing humble submission and reverence to the success of God's work rather than the success of our own work is the sort of principle there. That's not to say that we don't desire success at our work. None of us goes to work, you know, hoping that we do a terrible job. We ought to want to honor God by honoring our employers, by working well as unto him. Um, so it's, it's not to say that, but we should pray that God will bless the work of our hands. Second Thessalonians 2.17. But in praying for God's ultimate purposes, we also recognize that his, uh, the priority in our work and in our life is God's uh, purposes that he's accomplishing and not just our own success. And that places us in a better position to respond to trials and difficult situations with patience, with trust, with joy rather than frustration, um, and fear and anger. So when we pray, we should have God's, um, God's word and God's priorities in our minds. Um, so finally in this section on prayer, our prayer should recognize a daily dependence upon God. Um, so look down or look again at what, what Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, clearly alluding to manna that came from heaven in chapter 16 of Exodus. So God instructs the Israelites to only gather what they need for that day. Otherwise, the manna would rot and spoil. What God intended to teach them was to come to him daily for what they would need. And that's a, there's a strange rest that you can feel when you're thinking through really big decisions and God's promise to take care of you is underlying those things. You, you tend to make those decisions without being as anxious or as um, uh, irritable or as, as fearful uh, because we know that we can entrust the decision, even the decisions that we make, even when they turn out bad, to the Lord. So any thoughts or questions there before we go to the next section? <clears throat> uh, 
one encouraging verse is uh, Romans eight twenty eight. Yeah, we often think of it as external things. Yeah. You know, like well, these circumstances happened to me, but you know, and they were they weren't good, but you know, God will work it out for good. But it's also the same for our mistakes. Yeah. God will work out our mistakes for our good too. Right. Yep. Yeah, everything. That that's all inclusive. And then in that Romans eight twenty eight, you know, those whom he uh, predestined, you know, for new called, right? This is dealing with um, eternal things like our soul. And we can entrust the Lord with that, how much more, you know, temporal things. And then we have the promise of Matthew six that he will provide these things. So yep. Alright, so let's let's look at the last section here, which is counsel how to be better counselors and how to um how to keep an eye out for those who might be good counselors and again we're thinking through help and decision making so proverbs 16 9 says the heart of man plans his way but the lord establishes his steps the second part of that verse is a good summary of what we have covered in the past few weeks we trust in God's word and his sovereign providence. He has the purpose. He has his good purposes and plans that he's working out, that he carries out in our lives as well. But the first part of the verse refers to what we've covered today. Um, the man or the heart of man plans his, his ways. So as we plan our ways, we use God's word, we use prayer. And finally, in this section, we turn to using counsel. So bad ways to counsel or to to seek counsel first there um we we, we don't want to be uh select well I'll, I'll qualify this but i'll say it first we don't want to be selective counsel seekers what i mean is that uh, we don't seek counsel we, we don't want to be those who are afraid to seek counsel from people who might disagree with us uh, and we do that at times and that might be because we view counsel as like a, we just sort of, sort of want to check the box off um, as we're trying to think through a decision. But if we are seeking counsel, we should want to be informed and even get counsel from people that challenge our own thinking, right? So we don't only want to talk to people because they think that they'll agree with us. Uh, Proverbs twenty four twenty six says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Find people who... <laughs> I'm not going to kiss you on the lips, but find people who are more intent on giving you honest answers in your counsel as, as they counsel you. Right. We don't just want yes men counselors. Uh, another way to approach this um, in an unwise way or in a self-seeking way is that we only talk to people in our own sort of uh, uh, sphere of, of life. Right. I'm, I'm single or I'm single and I only want to talk to single people or I'm married and I, I can only benefit from talking to married people, right? We, when we do that, we deprive ourselves of this wide variety of wisdom and counsel that we get from those who are younger and those who are older and those who are in different season of life, seasons that may be ahead of you or even behind you. Um, but the Lord uses all of these things to, to encourage us, right? And we can at times fear talking to specific people because you know, well, they don't really understand where I'm at. And, and that, that can be true. You know, we don't always 
understand where each other's at exactly. And we can never say, well, I understand fully what you're going through because we are complex, we're individuals, and that's just not the case. But that doesn't mean we can't gain wisdom from people um, who are in, in different seasons or not in the exact same situation. So we shouldn't just discard it and say, you, you, you don't get it, you don't understand. But we should hear them and actually pray that the Lord would use them to help you and to be a good counsel for you, right? Um, second, then there are um, at times when we're seeking counsel where we place um, too much faith in the counsel, right? We wanna be on guard against that too. Um, people can do this when it comes to uh, the pastors at their churches or their church leaders, right? So uh, th this is a, a course seminar from Capitol Hill. And the guy who put it together tells this story about um, one, one young man who goes to Mark Dever and he's, he's, uh, heading, he's um, heading out of a service and Mark Dever is sort of standing to the side and he stops and says, hey, Mark, uh, Pastor Mark, what do you think I should do about this? And then Mark Dever gives him this counsel um, and then the, kid, the, the, the young man goes and he makes this decision and when people ask him um, or even propose a different approach to it, He's, he says, well, I talked to Pastor Mark already. And so he shuts down other counsel because he's heard from, it, it's Mark Dever. <laughs> of course I'm gonna take his counsel. Um, but that's an unwise way to approach uh, receiving counseling or looking for those who could counsel, right? I'm sure even Mark Dever would say, I wish I could have had more time with you than 30 seconds when I answer that. You know, can you come into my office and we can talk more about that? So we don't want to be um, people who have, uh, we place too much uh, uh, emphasis or too much faith in one person's specific counsel, right? Um, we should give ourselves to a multitude of counsel. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, even counsel that um, doesn't agree with us. Um, okay, so those are uh, unwise ways to, to, to seek counsel. Let's look at good ways to seek counsel. Um, so it's a blessing in our decision-making when we can uh, seek counsel from, from multiple people and seek wise counsel. I'm just going to say a few verses here. Um, Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Uh, so all, all of these are from Proverbs. 13, 10 says, Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. 15.22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. So here's some counsel on seeking counsel. The question of who to talk to. Who to talk to. So let me give a few categories of counselors who will be good to, to talk to. First is the person who is godly and wise. That probably seems obvious, but someone who uh, has walked with Christ for a long time and has a long track record of faithfulness is going to be extremely helpful. And I should correct that. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that only people who have been saved for 20, 30 years are those you can get wise, wise counsel from. Um, so just to, to, to qualify that there. But we want to seek counsel from people who are both godly and wise. 
and the two don't always overlap. So you're looking for someone who, again, has a track record of leading their lives in a way that is uh, mature. Um, they're well-reasoned, and they have a good center, which means they, aren't, they, they don't speak too quickly. They're not uh, quick with their words. They're not flatterers um, on, on the other end. We need honest counsel. Again, not Christianized yes-men. Uh, we want people who will challenge us and give us wise counsel. Second category, who to talk to. Good counselors uh, know the scriptures well, or some of the best counselors know the scriptures well. Of course, there should be a lot of overlap between that last category and this category, uh, but there are some wise and godly people who uh, just aren't as uh, good as seeing life through the lens of scripture. So uh, Proverbs 25 says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. And the book of Proverbs is just a series of lectures talking about stirring God's word in your heart. So we want to uh, draw counsel, get counsel from people who are able to, as they look at scenarios and circumstances, draw biblical principles and scriptures and know how to apply them more like a surgeon as opposed to one with a sledgehammer. Right? You, you share a scenario with them and they pull out the sledgehammer and just start wrecking through um, your specific scenario. You want someone who's careful and um, skillful in that. And you want to be someone who's careful and skillful as you do that. Um, so you want to uh, talk to someone who knows the Bible well and can apply good principles. Uh, third is someone, uh, be helpful, someone who <coughs> knows you. So who knows you well enough that they don't really need to rely on the, uh, what you're telling them to be able to, to know maybe how they can counsel you, right? <clears throat> as great as biblical counsel, counselors and pastors are in this, uh, they have their limitations. The information they get about a situation is all from you. That, that doesn't mean that they can't help, but that means that there are other people who can help as well. So parents, uh, your spouse, longtime friends, and your roommates are all great in this area. Uh, parents are especially uh, overlooked, um, especially if they're not Christians. But uh, Christians can still uh, go to even their unbelieving parents and uh, with a, a, a heart disposition that's humble, willing to listen. Um, our, our parents know us <laughs> well in different ways. And so if we can have a disposition of willingness to listen and they have a willingness to share, then that, that can be very useful help for us. Right? We shouldn't assume that because someone isn't a Christian that there's no help that we can get from them. <clears throat> okay, so uh, now... Ideally, uh, the person that you're going to for counsel has all of these, these things that I just mentioned wrapped up together, but that's often not the case. And besides, you probably want to talk to a few people rather than one as you do get counsel and try to determine how best to make decisions. Um, all right, a couple of things here before I close out. So we want to talk to um, those who know us well, 
Um, we want to talk to those who are honest with us. We want to talk to those who are willing to disagree with us. We want to talk to those who are um, willing to talk things out with us. Some of us are internal processors, some are external processors. Um, the person you're talking to, knowing that about you would be helpful for them as they walk you through and counsel you through these, these different things. Um, I said that already. So, so as we close, uh, let's consider again some of the tools we use to seek good, good counsel. First, we use God's word. We want to understand it in context. We want to meditate upon it. We want to seek to apply it. Uh, second, we use prayer. Uh, we call daily upon the Lord, God our Father, for his help, for wisdom, for grace. Um, and we want to do what he has revealed in his word. And then finally, we use counsel to help us consider the various choices we might have. Uh, we want to entrust our situations to the Lord and take advantage of his means of help through wise counsel. Okay. All right. So just a, just a couple of minutes, thoughts, questions. Yeah, and with the Bible as the, uh, the place where God speaks most loudly and most clearly, and like you said, it doesn't assume, we shouldn't assume that we are um, hearing him as he <laughs> uh, desires to be heard because we are flawed. But a part of that sharpening of our discernment, as it says in Hebrews, those who have their powers of discernment sharpened by constant practice, uh, that's concerning the word, right? So 
the idea of, um, you know, we people fall different places. You know, I know Christians in good good churches that would would hold to some form of continued prophecy. They would qualify it, um, but I think the the underlying principle is that what is determining how you think about um, even your own sense of of God, right? So. Is the word informing how you think about it? Is the word informing what, what you say is a sense of God leading me? Um, if it's not that, then it's not the word. And I think that there are dangers to um, going beyond what's here. And even, even when it's qualified, I, th- I think that there are dangers to it that we have to look out for because our hearts are deceptive. We are led astray often and easily. Um, by our own hearts, so. Another area of danger is just um, what, you know, it could be just tradition. Yeah. In the sense that this is how everybody else has always done it, so this is how I'm going to do it. Like yeah. in terms of like an altar call or, you know, yeah. without actually going back to the Bible to see, you know, um, what that looks like, you know, just getting caught up in this is the way it's always been. And so yeah. Probably about 20 years ago, we were um, going to a Christian film festival in Winter Park, and all of a sudden, one of our friends pulls Ron aside and is like, have you met the prophetess? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting time. <laughs> and we were like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it was good in that sense that we then understood where our friends stood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. What'd you say, Ron? <laughs> I don't remember how I answered that actually. I think I've mercifully blotted that out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts or questions? Oh, we can close on that note. That was a good note. <laughs> okay, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, We pray that you would help us to continue to have our powers of discernment sharpened through constant use of applying your word, reading your word, meditating on your word. Help us to be uh, wise and thoughtful Christians, that we would uh, live lives uh, in step with the gospel, that we would seek to wisely counsel one another, that we would take advantage of the wide uh, pool of counselors that you've given to us in our individual lives and to the church as a whole. Uh, even by um, looking at and listening to voices of the past as they speak to us um, now in books and writings, there's such a there's such a cloud of witnesses that we can draw from um, in our uh, striving to be uh, wise decision makers. And I pray that you would give us grace to do that well. And I pray you would bless us now as we go into service. Uh, may it be honoring to you in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>